Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 160, Mr. Apter himself. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number 20 from James Warden. It comes from the spring of 1990 and is 11 seconds long. Let's listen. In praise of the King by Mr. Apter himself. There's another one by Mr. Apter called Things Fell Apart. Here we have another delightfully cryptic message, which, with a little context, becomes clear as melted snow after a warm Chicago spring day on the shores of Lake Michigan. Let's begin with a transcription. James says, In dispraise of the king, by Mr. Apter himself. And there's another one by Mr. Apter called Things Fell Apart. The key to understanding this message is the name Mr. Apter. Andrew Apter was a professor in the anthropology department whose course I took in the spring of 1990. Since James was an anthropology major, I am guessing he was enrolled in the same class and in his call was highlighting some of the articles from the course reading packet that we had to purchase from Kinko's. Apparently, Professor Apter had assigned two articles with himself as the author. In Dispraise of the King, Rituals Against Rebellion in Southeast Africa, was published in 1983, while he was still a graduate student at Yale. And Things Fell Apart, Yoruba Responses to the 1983 Election in Ondo State, Nigeria, was published in 1987 while he was a Keenan Fellow in the Humanities at Columbia. Indeed, one of the few things I remember about Apter was that he was a young faculty member, fresh out of graduate school, having finished his Ph.D. in 1987. The only evidence I have of taking his class, other than James's message, comes from my official transcript which lists the course title as Theories of Practice and my grade as a B+. Based on the course title, we likely read something of Pierre Bourdieu's classic text, Outline of a Theory of Practice. I also remember reading, still in manuscript form, the introduction to Of Revelation and Revolution, by Chicago's superstar academic couple Jean and John Komaroff, which I assume was in Apter's class since they were fellow ethnographers of Africa. For a long time, I saved all my notebooks from Chicago, which I could use to review lectures from past courses. But digging through the few boxes of memorabilia I managed to store in my Brooklyn studio apartment, these notes could not be found. I was able to find the course papers I wrote for these years, 
except for some reason, the papers from AFTRA's class are missing. My failure to recall anything else from his class is not surprising. A major challenge in compiling any kind of memoir is the large gaps in our memory. But after stands in contrast to the other professors I had the year of my master's program at Chicago, most of whom left a strong impression on me. In addition to the brilliant Marshall Solins, whom I've described in a previous episode, there was Thomas Holt, who taught African-American history and introduced me to the work of Houston Baker and Lawrence Levine. The sociologist George Steinmetz, with whom I did an independent study on Frederick Jameson's political unconscious and who became my thesis advisor. And most of all, Moish Postone, who taught Marxist critical theory that same spring term I was enrolled in Aptor's class. Postone was another relatively young faculty member, having just started teaching in 1987. But his presentation style had an old-school formality. For example, he always addressed students by their surname and Mr. or Ms., he perhaps learned this formal style from studying at the Goethe University in Frankfurt, Germany, where he received his Ph.D. in 1983. The Goethe University is also the historical home of the Frankfurt School. So when he taught Adorno, Marcuse, and Habermas, you felt as close to the source as you could get without walking the river mine. His greatest skill was taking what were often very difficult theoretical essays and breaking down the key ideas and historical context so they could be better understood on a second reading. While his knowledge could be intimidating, in person he was quite friendly. I recall one time, after I had written an article for the Gray City Journal defending public enemies Chuck D. against charges of anti-Semitism, he invited me to meet him for lunch. We sat down on one of the grassy slopes in Hutchinson Court, and he gently explained to me that an author denying the anti-Semitic intentions of a lyric does not prevent its anti-Semitic interpretation. This is hardly the only GCJ article I wrote that makes me look naive, but I'm glad Professor Postone took the time to give me his criticism. And I would be happy to have your criticism or your praise. For either one, please contact me through my website, pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.